0: Thank you, Senator Street, for being here this morning and and taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to be here and talk with me today on the Cultural High podcast. You've been the the guest that we've been building up to and that we've been looking forward to having. Uh, very honored to to have this time with you. You're a very busy person, a very influential person in the state of Pennsylvania. Part of many different special committees and commissions and boards. That in my looking and my research, you you seem to be a true civil servant. and You have the best interests of the people at heart always it seems that that's how you push the policies and stuff that you do through the state of Pennsylvania. So thank you for that. Um, It's always a pleasure and it's always a, a reassurance to see when we see elected officials doing the work for the people. And I appreciate that. That's what you were doing out there in Pennsylvania. Since you were elected out there in Pennsylvania, you've been a part of some very progressive movements that I'm... Big fan of uh, specifically being a part of cannabis and the cannabis industry in 2016. Uh, you pushed forward for medical cannabis, and then in 2018, I was when the first patients were served. Is that correct? Absolutely. So, what um, I know you are surrounded by adult use states now, and then some states like Ohio was also pushing for adult use, you know, this year in 23. My home state that I come from, I now live in the great state of Nevada in Las Vegas, business enterprise in cannabis, but I come from Wyoming. And that's also where our businesses are out there in the Great West. And we're surrounded as well by states that either have adult use or or medical use on the boards. But we have nothing that we have. We're still one of the strictest states as far as it comes to uh, penalties for cannabis use or, or being caught with cannabis or any type of paraphernalia. What were the turning points that that led to Pennsylvania finally getting, you know, at least medical on the on the books and then and what's the access for the patients?
1: Well, the current points where I think the public, the, the public's engagement, the publics aren't talking about it, particularly talking about the fact that for many epileptic children, uh, cannabis is not only just a medical option, but the only medical option for those young people. Some of those children were having seizures that went on and on, and I think that was very compelling to people who, who didn't understand all the other principles. I think today the support for cannabis is much broader. There's a much broader array of support, but I think initially it was the people who were just really sympathetic to the children, particularly epileptic children, and I think that's part of the Democratic program, Dad.
0: You spoke. You said the people. What changed in the governing officials? Because I'll, I'll go ahead and speak in Wyoming. over the last couple of years, we have done the petition each time, two legislative sessions ago. Got the petition signed. We had the required amount of signatures. I believe it was sixty thousand that we had to gather. We gathered them the night before it would have been put out. They said that we had to re-verify all the signatures. Now, mind you, the only signatures that we got were of actual registered voters. So they were already verified in that sense, but they said that we needed to go back and re-verify all the signatures to check the validity of them. And so we were not able to push that through. Now, this last legislative session, same thing, That uh, well, I should say uh, we got not only the required amount of little signatures, but we got triple the amount that was needed, all verified. And when it came to the time, uh, the legislative session just said, oh, we don't have time for this intercession," And it's been pushed off time and time again. This is actually the third time it's been pushed off. The support, um, over 75% of people in Wyoming admit to some sort of cannabis use within the last six months. Uh, that same percentage and actually a little bit higher support some sort of cannabis laws being on the books, whether that be medical or adult use recreational. What did it take for, because we're pushing, we have the normal organization that's there in Wyoming. Um, There's several local entities and businesses in the smoke and vape shops that are pushing for this type of legislation. What happened at the government heads to finally make that decision?
1: So Pennsylvania didn't require a ballot referendum, and so it didn't require signatures. We, there were people who got petitions, but there's no requirement. It just required a, a simple majority of the House and Senate the their signature. Well, what happened was we there were people who organized not just statewide, but in specific districts until we had enough legislative support to get it done. One of the challenges, I think the public thinks about it. For instance, I have a, a very progressive district in Philadelphia, um, thousands and thousands of signatures from my district, doesn't necessarily persuade a conservative legislator from the center of the state. You got to get people from each legislator's district. So it's not just how many signatures, but it's where they come from. It's people are respond. Legislators tend to uh, not so much be responsive to what statewide pressure is, um, but when the when the pressure, one uh, of the pressures within each and every legislator's district. See, what I would recommend is getting people. are cannabis activists or cannabis users who are can't believe or just believe maybe don't use cannabis but just believe that from a freedom perspective and a social justice perspective cannabis legalization makes sense who live in each of the legislators districts the other thing at some point you'll have a legislator you'll know we got this person they're going to vote for it focus on the legislators that you need in order to get it moved either because that could be a committee chair that's blocking the process or because that legislator could be just an additional vote that you need that you think you can get that you don't have, um, and I think you ought to be very strategic. and sort of map out um, how do we get a majority of the legislature? Who are those people going to be, and what moves each of them? And, and when you figure that out, I think you can you can it can get done most places. I mean, because cannabis is a po- overwhelmingly popular in most places amongst Republicans and Democrats, um, it, but but a lot of but legislators aren't always sometimes they lag behind the opinions of their constituents
0: yes yeah, yeah no, you know you said of it's popular amongst everybody and it doesn't matter if you use it or not there's so many people that just support it i love what you guys did with for the children out there with the epileptic children um i have a close family friend and it's very sad they uh they not only lived in a state that was non-medical or recreational but also uh my friend he's in the he was active duty. or is still active duty military. I won't say what branch or anything. Um, and he was an, uh, not only in, he was enlisted, but then he went on to become an officer. But their youngest son uh, has extremely bad seizures to the point where it was hundreds a day and he had to get put into a coma. And they did take a, he took a, a leave of absence for a few months. And him and his wife went to Colorado. They took their youngest son, took him to Colorado Springs and he got some treatment. And while he was there, i um, using a uh, cannabis CBD one-to-one tincture. Yeah, he lived such a, for those couple months, he was completely better. You know, the, the seizures completely dropped down. He was functional. His speech was actually starting to come back. He was uh, starting to be able to walk and everything. But then they had to go back to regular life and he had to go back, you know, to the military. His leave was up and everything. And they're scared of using that type of stuff with him being active duty military, because if you know they go to a doctor or whatever, and this was a couple of years ago, and they they did, they stopped using it. This little boy has been all around the country, seen every specialist and nothing gets better. Cannabis did. And now it's gotten to the point to where, you know, now his, his father, who has devoted his life to our country and to the military, is now looking at getting out early retirement just so that way his son can live a beneficial life. He's going to lose all everything that he's worked for because he's going to go before his retirement years, just a couple of years. And it's sad that you know we can't have this safe access for just for our kids, not anything recreational, not anybody just trying you know trying to get high or anything, just for the healing power of what cannabis does. It's not available to so many people, and so I, th- I appreciate you laying out that a little type of plan. You know, it doesn't matter the amount of signatures; it matters. The old saying in life it's not what you know it's who you know and that that's always the same everywhere so it's not the mass of what you have but it's the correct people that are helping you put it into place so appreciate you laying that out for us um so you guys have been medical now uh for going on uh we're going on five years now this year what what brought the change to go full full adult use recreational? was it the states around you was it what was it well,
1: I think that the, uh, well, we, we sort of introduced the bill before the states around us were there. And a lot of their bills are modeled after things we did here, Legisl- things we proposed that hadn't been enacted. But I think what happened was once we had a medical program, a lot of people who were really negative on cannabis realized, you know, this isn't that bad. This doesn't really, uh, there are a lot of positives to it. There was a lot of education that happened. And I think people now recognize uh, pretty overwhelmingly um, that, uh, that recreational adult use makes sense. For me, one of the um, issues are uh, that we're still locking people up and uh, getting people records. Now, we're not getting people out of jail time, getting people records that are that are limiting their lives because of cannabis usage, while other people um, have cards and are using it legally. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, additionally, um, we have challenges around the fact that that uh, it's there are people who have medical conditions that are sort of not... As severe enough that you'd see a doctor for normally but could use cannabis people with chronic pain like uh who, who just have nagging pains like arthritic pains and joint inflammation those are people when to use it that are basically uh, that those folks are 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 basically self-medicating in a way and then you have other people who say look i'm i'm a true recreational user I it use to relax a lot of those people are professionals i'm a brother who works in california and in the tech industry, and the people in the tech industry, all a lot of people in the tech industry out west indulge in cannabis. The people here, uh, who are in a lot of fields, will, will want to use cannabis. They'll say, "Look, people drink, get a drink to relax on a Friday night. I like to use cannabis." And uh, an increasing part of the public is saying, "Why not?" Like I said, and, and so I think what has been suggested is that it no longer makes sense. And laws, uh, are, are, we have restrictive laws to help people, um, not to uh, not to un- unreasonably restrict people's freedoms. I think the public here has reached a point where they recognize it's it makes sense. The other thing, in fact, it, it is helping that it's around us because people can cross the state lines, mm-hmm. go get cannabis, use it, and they're bringing it back, which is a crime. But it's still happening. Second and finally, I would say this. It, there is a tremendous amount of revenue to be had by growing cannabis, and uh, Pennsylvania has good climate. And we're looking for, forward to the day when this, the feds deschedule, and uh, perhaps we can be a net cannabis exporter. Um, but we, in order you to get the to grow, we've got to move forward with the legalization of recreational adult
0: use. Yes, I like that. It is. It's a, you know, I was we're we're tied into the cannabis space uh, on on two fronts. Uh, with our businesses. It can be very profitable if you put in the right work, you know, and if you do it properly, and it does take time to also build up to that. There, there are some in some states, these, um, you see it a lot more out West. I've seen it quite a bit living out here. You see it in California, Oregon, Washington, some of these states, they, they have these fly by night companies and they, they come in just really quick, just for the money. And then they're gone. But I like it when you're putting in this thought And building up to it and and you guys you guys know what you want you're putting in a lot of different regulations and bills to to protect people i want to talk about some of those things that you guys that you guys have done we've seen it out in washington and oregon uh i hate it people think that cannabis is a gateway drug Uh, speaking from personal use cannabis is not a gateway drug cannabis uh, honestly can get you off of a lot of different things depending on who you are and can really benefit your life in a very positive way and get you back on track. But we have seen out in these states, Oregon specifically, man, they're going, they're legalizing everything out there. And if they don't fix some of their laws here soon, everything will be legalized out there. Yourself and and some other senators took a stance when asked about safe consumption sites, right? And I love your stance. I want to applaud you on that. There's a very big difference between a product that I believe God gave us on this earth that can be grown and then used and processed into different types of things without altering the actual plant itself, you know, but all these other substances out there, most of them are man-made, most of them altered from their original state, far beyond their original state. And, you know, I do not think that we should be allowing places for people to stick needles in their arms, you know, to degrade is not a place that we need in our society because it does not help build up our society. I do believe in recovery centers and, and wellness clinics and stuff, but not a place that somebody can just walk in willingly and purchase a syringe and a product and take it right there. So how did that come about? Was that something that Pennsylvania was actually, was people trying to get that done in Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, there were a number of people that were trying to get it done. They were trying to open it. You said it, first of all, you, you captured the issue so well. You know, cannabis is a natural plant, it grows, we know that we understand what it is and and, and, it, and there are a lot of benefits to it, socially and uh, medicinally. There are people who were selling and using, Philadelphia, parts of Philadelphia had really bad opioid crisis, but it's even worse than regular opioids because if that heroin wasn't bad enough, they're using fentanyl, uh, which is a completely synthetic drug uh, that, that can a small amount can use it, xylazine. Um, which they're mixing with, with other things and their are selling streets of some called trach. Um, this is an animal tranquilizer and the stuff kills people and the xylazine is actually causing people's flesh to rot while they're alive. They're using it. It's odd. Their flesh <laughs> rots, flesh
0: rots off like zombies. So that's what I say. It sounds like a zombie drug right there. That isn't, so
1: it's crazy. rots on them and they're, they're hot. And, there was a proposal to allow people to... Uh, um, there are hundreds of people in one section filling that are down there getting high. And while a lot of us... And I, by the way, I've been on the, the board of directors of One Day at a Time, one of our larger recovery programs serves 56,000 people outpatient a year. I was on the board for, I was chairing the board for 10 years. I, I support recovery, uh, to have recovery people working in my office. But this, this wasn't proposing recovery. This was just proposing a place where people could shoot up drugs any drug, it was not. Or so we're not saying, um, regardless of how detrimental it was to them, and without a path or plan to get them off. So I understand some people may come in high on heroin and you get them on uh, uh, buprenorphine or methadone to get them off of as to wean them off the of drugs. That makes sense. There's a place for that. There are other programs where you can get people off without any uh, MAT assistance, but th- uh, there there is there has to be a process for getting people off of drugs. Having a place where they can just come and use drugs doesn't make sense. And not only that, we don't know what you would—they would be used. They give drugs that are laced with all kinds of things. They would uh, the, some of these drugs just the ongoing use of them was literally killing people slowly. And so, while I'm completely for recovery and, and helping people get to sobriety. We didn't want to just create an environment where where we were sort of condoning and permitting and and, and really in many respects encouraging. People to continue to use uh, dangerous, illicit, chemically man-made drugs that are destroying them. Um, some of these drugs, they say, rot out your bone marrow. Others, of these drugs, there's permanent, there's physical connection, and they're they're really bad. And uh, we didn't want, you know. And so, people ask me about consistency. I don't think they said, "Well, how could you be so poor?" Allowed people to use cannabis and allowing i not allowing this. I said, well, listen, the rules about the cannabis, they're both drugs. I said, well, first of all, islanol is a drug. Mm-hmm. Alcohol could be considered a drug. It was once yes. considered an illegal substance. Cannabis is completely different from xylazine, an animal tranquilizer, or fentanyl, a drug that was designed to provide comfort to people in extreme pain in the final days when they are in hospice from cancer. Those are, this is not designed for healthy people using. And, uh, you know, there's another, another thing that people, and the other thing is that by, um, uh, for cannabis legalization is there were people who were buying, wanting to buy this cannabis who were buying it on the streets. And sometimes it was laced with things, um, that were impure. uh, they'd already get a little bit stronger stuff. So, look, um, absolutely think creating places where people can sort of shoot up drugs is not, um, it's not a good idea legalizing cannabis is um cannabis is a way to get keep people from getting on opioids it's a it's a it makes sense this other stuff it, it just doesn't make sense and finally I think your position about a gate you're talking about a gateway drug and not being a gateway drug is so huge I the data I have seen suggests that where cannabis is legalized the actual opioid addiction tends to go down in, in places where you have cannabis legalization not up and so. its the exact opposite of a the the gateway drug, the, the legalization of cannabis actually reduces addiction to hard drugs.
0: Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's why we would love to see it there in in Wyoming and, and so many other states. You look at so many other states that don't have cannabis on the books. Look at their drug problem, whether it's methamphetamines, whether it's uh, opioids, or just whatever it could be. They probably have one. Sadly enough, you know that it's both of them up there in Wyoming with with the two interstates specifically in Cheyenne. But cannabis allows. You said it cannabis heals and these other drugs they kill and and that's just a simple fact of it it's it's a deeper rooted issue though instead of having you know clinics and and safe places for people to ingest these substances how about just safe places in general in these inner cities where people are more prone to use these substances you know it's lower poverty-stricken areas most of the time and those places just get forgotten about and that just brings up a deeper issue most of the time when people are using these types of substances it's not because they necessarily like oh today I want to smoke some crack. No, it's because they were, they were missing out on something. They weren't, they, there was already a hole there that was, you know, from a childhood trauma that was from relationship or or past experiences that they're trying to fill a void. They just need to feel something. They don't have love in their life. They don't have any care in their life. And so they, you know, we see that they turn to people, turn to sex workers, people, uh, sex work, and people turn to gangs and people turn to drugs. And it's just because they're missing something there. so it's more of an issue of that. We just need to be involved with the people, which, which you are, you were telling the people in a speech here recently that you were the priority, the priorities around funding education, advancing crime prevention dollars, making sure that we have healthcare for all basic civil rights. Those are the things that have to remain a constant while we keep progressing everything else, including adult use, uh, recreational cannabis. So appreciate you holding true to that and, and taking care of those other issues that that push up some of these other issues of, of drug use and stuff. Now I have a a little bit of a different question. So with, with cannabis and everything, most states that have went medical and recreational, there's been another type of legislation that's gone in at around that same time. And it was one that you, uh, yourself and Senator Judas Schwenk put in play in April of 2022, uh, that would ban the sale of Delta eight products in Pennsylvania.
1: Absolutely. So, what's happening is, um it's So, cannabis that's natural, organic, legal, made natural, organic, and safe is illegal um, to for recreational use. But cannabis that is synthetically made, Delta 8, which is an altered form of cannabis, um, is being sold everywhere. We wanted to regulate it, bring it into because there are some strains of Delta 8 that are that are that are problematic and a little dangerous. And it makes more sense if people are going to use it, that they just used a natural product than using a synthetic version. Um, and so the the altered Delta 8 is is problematic. And we're seeking to regulate it so that it wouldn't be sold everywhere um, in an unregulated way. But in our medical program and even in a, a program that we would have for uh, recreational adult use for cannabis. There would be te- there would be rigorous testing. There would be uh we we there'll be labeling so people know what they're getting, they know the strength. They love, for these Delta A products that are being sold everywhere, because they are they don't chemically match up exactly with normal THC, there there's just not a lot of regulation. And some of the stuff there isn't testing, there are all kinds of problems. And, and we just wanted to make sure that people could could be safe.
0: One of my day jobs is I'm actually the COO of one of those companies, hemp-derived delta eight company that was created in Wyoming. Uh, The reason why we created it is because Wyoming does not have safe access for cannabis. You know, legally, if you're caught with any sort of cannabis, you're you've committed a felony. And so, we wanted to create products that could be purchased legally, but had the same standards. And so, I understand the point of view that a lot of people have of delta eight, and unfortunately, it's because of a lot of different brands and a lot of different companies out there making a bad name for the for the rest of us and how they've done that is by what you've said false coas false advertising just really i take it as malicious intent because they're not putting out safe products for people to ingest and so they're knowingly putting out some something that's harmful and they're doing that to cut to cut their cogs down is that way at the end of the day it's just greed that's really what it is if people cared more about quality for people then we wouldn't have this problem, but people just care about padding their pocket instead of giving something quality to people. The company that I'm talking about that I run is called The Standard. Um, We started, Like I said, we started in Wyoming for safe, accessible hemp products for people that could not get regular cannabis products. There's a lot of misconception about Delta-8. Now, in all technical forms, the way that it's mass-produced nowadays, you are correct. Uh, They take raw CBD isolate, they put it in a reactor, uh, and then it's broken down. And as it hits certain temperatures, certain cannabinoids come off of that CBD and it's a process of refraction. And so as that goes through, as it hits these certain temperatures, uh, you're you're able to get Delta-8, Delta-10, THCV, uh, CBN, CBG, all of these naturally occurring cannabinoids. Uh, you're able to get them in small amounts. And so it takes a large amount of crude CBD and CBD isolate to make that off. Now, I do know that in the same space, there's a lot of fake cannabinoids out there. You know, you hear of THCX, um, the synthetically formed versions, THCP. Now, I will argue THCP is found in very small amounts, and it is, but the way it's mass produced is by doing something to Delta-8 THC. But what I would argue on is that if there was finally, and I'm for it, if there was finally a regulatory space for this industry, right? Because there is a place for this industry still. This industry now employs tens of thousands, um, if not hundreds of thousands of people in America, um, is responsible for already billions of dollars in revenue just since 2018 outside of cannabis, right? And that's untaxed revenue. But that's also revenue that is still taxed in certain states. If we look at uh, Florida, Florida just had a bill, SB 1676, that was getting ready to go into place. They were able to change the language on it but it would have effectively wiped out the cbd hemp space in florida under the current language um it was going to take away even full spectrum cbd oil which has no psychoactive yeah at all purely medical you know but that was just on some ignorance on on the people that were putting into place and so um the lab that we work with that we're partnered with that does all of our raw products our vita labs uh, jj combs which I would I would love to maybe he's he's very involved in politics out there with the senators and stuff. And if you would ever like the introduction or or he
1: can Yeah, I would I would love to connect with him and, and look, yeah. I, I don't think it's neither Cyrus Swank or I work and it wasn't our intended intention to sort of wipe out any market that was that was yeah. What we wanted to do is create a regulatory structure that a lot of in. There. And at Pennsylvania we do have, although we I think it's it's a little too rigid because we need to have a, a, a recreational adult use program. We do have a regulatory structure for cannabis.
0: This was these folks were operating completely outside of it. Completely outside of it, it yes. It t- but so how so- can we do that? I'd yeah, like we- to help pioneer that. So our Vita Labs and myself in Ford, we've been talking about a, a Delta CERT board, but I would like to broaden it and make it a hemp derived products safe act or mm-hmm. a regulatory board. And that way, it does a couple of different things. One, you all you have to have official CoA certificates of authenticity. Right now, there's only two labs that will actually give official CoAs that are not doctored or altered in any form. That's ACS laboratories in Florida, and that's SD Farm Labs in San Diego, California. I would like to work with those labs and and create and help create this regulatory board, also working with several different states to, to make a standard that these companies have to adhere to. To effectively wipe out these fake cannabinoids, I'm tired of it. I don't like it. Uh, It makes consumers uneducated. They have no idea what they're ingesting, and at the end of the day, it ruins the market. I would like to take that away, but I see a place for delta eight because of because of one big thing. So, if you look back ten years ago, the highest concentration of THC that you would see in any flower at the highest was maybe twelve to sixteen percent. Go back ten years before that, you're going to see the highest was around six to eight percent. Most the common most flour that people would ingest and be smoking was around three to 5% THC. Now you look at today's dispensaries, medical, recreational, most of your flour is low end 16%. There are people want the higher 20 plus percent THC. Now that brings up an argument is that accurate testing. Uh, I had Roger Brown, the owner and CEO of uh, ACS laboratories, and they do cannabis testing there in Florida as well. And he has said that there's brands out there that do false COAs because there's a regulatory allowance of plus or minus 16% in the testing, and they will play to that so that way they can charge a higher price for supposedly higher THC content. But there's a lot of people on the medical side that don't want to be just super high. They don't want to be blasted out of their mind. They want relief. And that's where Delta 8 has came into play. There's studies on Delta 8 that actually Delta 8 is better at pain blocking than Delta 9 THC. And it works better with cbd to help fight inflammation when it's harmoniously combined and it gives a it's a lot less on intensive of its effects you know if you were if delta 9 was a 10 delta 8 would be a 4 or a 3 on its on the intensity of the psychoactive effects so there's a lot of people that have turned to that because of that simple they don't want to be high all day but they want some relief I would love to to be a part of that reform, and there's several others in this industry that I work with that would love to be part of this reform to regulate and make this space safe.
1: Yeah, I'd certainly welcome that discussion. Um, I think it's a really important, look, we want to create options for people, save options, and and they're, And I'm okay if there are people who do want to have a higher form of THC as a recreational product to get them to so, so sort of have a psychoactive pleasure pleasure effect. But there, like you said, if there are other products for people who just want pain relief and maybe some level of THC is necessary, but they don't want they don't want as much psychoactive effect. I think there should be that should exist too. The whole point is for this to be a safe, legal industry where people have options and uh, a regulatory structure for delta eight makes a lot of sense. And so I'm for ca- comprehensive cannabis form of Pennsylvania. That's what we've attempted to do. One of the issues that also comes is that right now in Pennsylvania law, it, we still have a situation where you can be a lawful cannabis user with a card, medical card, and you can't drive because it technically you're driving under the influence, even if you have an, an East cannabis in two weeks, because um, the presence of metabolized cannabinoids in your system at any level is technically a DUI. Um, it's got to get that, fixed. It's got to get fixed. And there's a lot of stuff like that. And there are workplace things. I've heard from unions uh, carpenters unions in some parts of the state, locals, firefighter unions who suggested that there are people who have a lot of chronic back pain. They want to be, uh, they want to use cannabis cause it's safer, and not addictive, like or opioids. but they're concerned that the employers are concerned that insurance will say, well, you have a controlled substance in your body and therefore insurance won't, won't cover the site. And so they are, uh, they're banned for using it, um, and then be throw off of job sites. That's also problematic. So we have to move into sensible regulations that are that are consistent with the science. Um, and what you're suggesting sounds like that. So looking forward to to maybe incorporating some of your ideas into what we're doing as we move towards comprehensive cannabis uh, reform in Pennsylvania. We get in the madness that came out of the reefer madness movement, <laughs> and uh, and move into sensible cannabis legislation that sort of will uh, help people grow their businesses enjoy their lives, protect their liberties, and ease their pain.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you being open to these ideas. And I will definitely reach out to your office and and connect and bring JJ as well so he can bring the science behind it. He's an MD and their chemist over there and has a lot of great information. Wrapping it up right here, you brought up a great point. It's, not, it's more than just legalizing cannabis. There's a lot of reform that has to happen on the back end for people to actually have safe access without endangering their livelihoods, their jobs, their families, their, their losing their kids or, or whatever their, their career that they've worked for. And that's the reform that I think gets overlooked a lot. And I'm glad that you're looking at that. And that's something that we need to look at as a whole. It's very interesting. The federal government right now is actually reforming their cannabis rules. And the, um, the time frame of use, it used to be like a year before coming into a federal job and even in the cia and stuff now they're shortening that down to the past 60 days um the military has given thousands upon thousands of waivers now in the tens of thousands because most people 18 to 25 have used cannabis within the six last six months now because it's legal in a lot of places now i know the 18 year olds so technically it's not legal unless they have a medical card but it is what it is you're looking at a country that wants cannabis uh, legal drinking age over 70% of people would rather consume cannabis than drink and that is for the simple fact that you can be more productive you can wake up the next day feel, with a good night's rest feeling relief you had a good time the night before but there's no hangover you can still go back to work get your job done and then conduct daily life with uh, without being endangering to society and without having any negative health effects you know all these other substances whether it be alcohol or, or opioids or any type of drug always has a negative effect on your body and on the liver system Cannabis doesn't do that. It's it's what we talked about earlier. It's just a plant that God gives us, and so let us be able to use that. Let's put the proper proper things in the play that we, people can have safe safe access to it, and uh, let's grow this because it's a business that can bring a a lot of revenue to a lot of different places, a lot of hurting communities and economies throughout this country that are losing just losing a foothold with the way that the world's changing. And so this is a new booming economy and let's take advantage of it. So thank you for being that person in Pennsylvania and and a senator and and being that voice in our government. Look forward to reaching out and talk with you in the future. Thank you so much, Senator.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for being a voice for so many people. Keep up the fight in Wyoming. And guess what? While we're gonna do this state by state, we also can't forget it is time that the federal government have rational cannabis laws, deschedule cannabis so people can use insurance people can use bank cards and we can have rational policy because there are some things that just go beyond states and so we're going to keep fighting it but no matter where you are contact your barrel official and say it's time for Colorado to deschedule cannabis mix it's common sense and it's good public policy thank you so much god bless